are live. Hey guys, this is Brad and Mike with Dallas Geek. Uh, Mike, how you doing today? Me. So enthusiastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are back yet again with uh, another live stream from quarantine. So, with that, uh, is that what we're calling this live stream from quarantine? I mean, it feels kind of appropriate, doesn't it? Better than live stream from isolation, live stream from forced at home depression, or you know, social anxiety, or what, whatever else you could call this. I guess the emo kid in me actually prefers all of this. Fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but with that, uh, guys, as always, if this is your first time to join us, uh, please do not forget to like the video and follow us on follow us on Facebook and subscribe over on YouTube. There should be a little button right about here on the screen. So I, you know, uh, I please. can't find the button. Where's the button, Brad? Uh, I, that feels more like a you problem, but um, you know. Where's the damn yeah. button? <laughs> with that um so what we're talking about today in case you did not see the title of this video uh we are going to be talking about the 1960s batman uh yes adam west burt ward um for some people the defining batman uh and we're gonna see if those people are bad people <laughs> we're, we're gonna take a look at this and see if looking at both the series uh, and the movie, if either of those could actually survive in today's pop culture environment, uh, especially considering uh, what the MCU has given us, both in terms of the super serious superheroes as well as the comedic to give more of a, a modern equivalent to the 1960s Batman, um, as well as all of the many, many superhero parodies. So, could Adam West's version of Batman survive today and be as popular as it was? Um, and what advice do we, as you know, hardcore movie fans, think could have made it fit in with today? So, uh, yeah, Mike. What I do you guess think? it could work today. I guess as a... I don't want to say to the level of R-ratedness as a Mel Brooks parody, but... <laughs> if... Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. But I mean, if you think about it... History of the World, Spaceballs, Blazing Saddles, Robin Hood Men in Tights, all of those were kind of young Frankenstein, they were all caricatures and they were all over-stylized parodies of a genre-style film. Um, I think if you were going that route, it could work. Um, a la the original Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of, like, a standalone, it's going to have the same tone as it did in the 1960s, but set in modern day. Uh, uh, um. <laughs> yeah, I, I think its sense of humor was 
very uh, decade specific. Um, maybe that type of humor could have survived uh, like in the 1970s, maybe 1980s, but once we got to the 90s, I, I feel like that particular style of humor sort of started to fade a little bit into uh, the background. Um, but I do think that with a resurgence of quirky comedies, especially since around like 2010-ish, um, a la Wes Anderson and you know the, the others of his indie ilk, um, there that, that, is that's probably a better that's probably a better genre style than a Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, I I feel like that there is a place where keeping the same sensibilities, the same-ish style of humor, uh, I think it could have survived uh, today, sort of. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's really important for us to be able to address what made it popular at the time anyway. I mean, was it just the the goofy acting and all the bright colors? Or, I mean, what, what was the appeal of Adam West's Batman? Yeah, I guess that's a really good question. I mean, what the... so TV wasn't like it like it is now, obviously. I mean, you had like you had four channels. Give right? or take, yeah. CBS, CBS, ABC, NBC. No, so that'd be like three. So you essentially had three channels. What were the big shows back in the '60s? Like, was it anything even remotely close to what you were getting with a live-action Batman? And keep in mind, this was a live-action Batman. Mm -hmm. This was the first iteration of Batman to the masses, if you will. Yeah. So, plus, you had, you know, the 60s would essentially be, what, the Silver Age of comics? So you yeah. had the resurgence yeah. of the... You, yeah, so, you know... You had the resurgence of the comic industry in the 60s. Well, with... would it have been the Silver Age, or would that have still been the Golden Age? Because wasn't Silver the Age, Age like the, uh, the, the resurgence like the of the, the serious take on? You talk, I'll look it up. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the time, uh, you end up... Uh, the only real competition that uh, Batman had, same year, too, was the Green Hornet. And the silver, sorry, yeah, no, no well, the silver age of comics is considered to cover the period from 1956 to circa 1970. Okay, fair so enough. The silver age of comics. Yeah. So I mean, Don't yeah. Don't question me and my knowledge, Bradley. <laughs> well, but yeah, no, I mean, the Green Hornet was really the only main bit of competition in terms of the genre, um, right. but I mean. You go in and you want to talk about uh, popular shows that were in the same vein of style. Um, yeah. Can I guess some? Sure, go for it. We're going to have um, I Love Lucy. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, Bewitched. Yep. Reedy Bunch. Yeah. Damn, it's almost like I know stuff. Star um, Trek, Lost in Space. Yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek would have been sixty-six. Yeah, mm -hmm. even Get um, Smart. Oh God, yeah, that would have been wow. Okay. And yeah. of course, you know, 
just about everything classic Hanna-Barbera. I mean, you, you want to go yeah. animated, but still similar sense of humor. I mean... Yeah, I think we were, what, Scooby-Doo debuted in 68 or 69, if I remember right. Uh, but you had all Jetsons, the Looney Tunes. Flintstones. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it... I'm about to say, with it being kind of the golden age of the the Hanna-Barbera run, it makes sense for it to be a kind of essentially presented as a live-action comic book with the pow and the whams popping up on the screen and mm -hmm. the vibrant colors and the way overacting from the villains and from Adam Wee. And, I mean, it's really important to remember that up until the time that this version of Batman came out, both in the comics and the TV show, um, there had been a real push publicly to try to lighten the mood of comic book heroes, because after the events of World War II, things got really dark, and we started to see what would be considered today pretty normal, but at the time was very mature uh, sensibilities being brought into comic books, and that was not exactly what parents wanted their kids reading, because at the time, uh, comic books really were seen as a very kid-oriented uh, medium. So, which, which is which is funny because you know there's one flagship character that was literally made as war propaganda. But <clears throat> hey, hey, let's be fair multiple superheroes got the chance to punch Hitler. I'm just saying it how wasn't many of just them did the it one. On the cover of their how many of them did it on the cover of their first issue? I mean, yeah, sure. We got copycats. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it was I, I think the sense of humor that we got out of it, the, the sense of the, the sense of the community that the show and the movie were speaking to, I it was a very unique time, and I think, especially now, with how serious everything has gotten, and with how, um, honestly, depressing life has kind of started to turn in the last decade-ish, um, depending on how far back you really want to take this, uh, I mean, there is more and more rumbling within the pop culture uh, fandoms for a need for something lighthearted. So I can totally see a potential resurgence of this version of Batman uh, if given the chance and the right director. The problem, as we continue to touch on, is it has to be done with a very specific style to it because if you don't, you're going to lose a sense of humor. I mean, looking at uh, the other shows from the 60s and 70s that have attempted to be given a modern uh, TV or movie remake, like Bewitched, like... Um, Terrible. The Green Hornet, like... I mean, yeah, had even, its moments. even Wonder Woman, um, Charlie's Angels. Uh, are we talking about the show, or are we talking about the rebooted either. movie, or the other rebooted movie? Either, honestly. 
um, <laughs> uh, Get Smart. Uh, I mean, you had... Wasn't bad. Even Hawaii Five-0. Uh, the Man from Uncle. I mean, we could honestly go on because there have been so many attempts at uh, trying to take something that was popular in the 60s or 70s that had that uh, heavy sense of camp and give it a more, either a more serious uh, makeover, which has sometimes works. Like, I mean, Hawaii Five-0's show had survived how many seasons and seemed to be more or less a critical success. Um, Eight or nine, right? Yeah, and then... For like almost a decade? Yeah, and I mean, even uh, then you had uh, the man from Uncle was given a super serious makeover and that did pretty decently. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like massively fantastic, but I, I mean, the the ratings came back pretty decently, and the uh, the box office returns were kind. So I mean, you remember, Guy Ritchie does not make bad movies. Well, Arthur. Name one. Don't worry, I'll wait. Uh, Arthur. Okay, Charlie name Hunnam. Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, no. Look, I think sometimes I think trying to take to the be... comedy and making it serious doesn't work. But at the same time, you yeah. look at Bewitched, or, um, I mean, honestly, uh, even, I mean, I know I'm uh, going to get some pushback from some people, but even uh, the remake of Get Smart, uh, you, you try to give it a modern humor sensibility, and you lose the charm of it, because it's not that it was a comedy, it was that it was a specific type of comedy, because the emphasis was on the camp more than the comedy itself and that matters like camp well, yeah, and comedy and while be, similar are not the same that seems to be the thing that everything that seems to be the other issue that everybody keeps running into is that everybody that wants to make these shows from the 60s and 70s automatically thinks that they're going to be comedies yeah Charlie's angels let's make it a comedy wasn't a comedy starsky and hutch let's make it a comedy wasn't a comedy or it was a comedy and they want to make it and they just don't think that a a comedy would work in today's audience so you know you you can't even crack a joke you know that that's just that's not right um but i think you know i don't think that you're wrong to say that it could survive in today's you know i guess climate would be the right word to say um because i mean you did kind of have a reboot of it with batman the brave and the bold Kind of, and I mean, it did well. That that, it was animated, but it was still that, it was that very, it was the same, it it was the same costume, it was the same over-stylized, over-acting. Yeah. I actually liked it. It was essentially a comic book. I liked it, honestly. Brave and the Bold was a lot of fun. It was fun. Yeah. It it, it didn't take itself too seriously. Like, you knew that you were getting Batman, but it was... Mm -hmm. A Batman you could just sit back, relax, and enjoy. You didn't have to overanalyze. You didn't have to feel like you had to be on the edge of your seat. It was just fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like, mean, and maybe that's... Yeah. You know, maybe maybe stuff from that era doesn't necessarily translate to live action well. Because everything has changed so much. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like, you had... I Love Lucy is one of the biggest shows in TV history, and they couldn't show a married couple sleeping in the same bed. But we're sure. gonna take that and immediately translate it to modern times. I mean, 
don't know. I mean, the thing that you have to remember uh, is what is the definition of camp? Because I think that really comes back to making a difference in how these shows and movies were perceived in the first place. Right. I mean, what, what, what do you think camp is? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I think, I think camp is something, I don't know, camp is one of those things, it's like, I don't really know how to describe it, but when I see it, I know what it is, to quote another famous. It was the theme <laughs> of, what was it, last year's uh, Met Gala? You, yeah. you didn't you didn't get the definition from all the coverage on that uh, to be able to try to help yeah. educate you. Yeah right. Uh, but no, like camp, cheesy, corny. Like I kind of include all of those together. Um, oh God, son of a, what was the what's the name of that movie that takes place at the summer camp? Um, it's got like Janine Garofalo, Paul Rudd, Elizabeth. Oh Banks. oh oh oh. What, um, what hot American summer? Yes. Like that's camp. But it's purposely kind of. done to be campy. Kind of. So, I mean, camp, yeah. is, as it has slowly been attempted to be re-brought into the public consciousness, camp is, right. uh, it's an aesthetic rather than a performance, per se. Uh, it, it is a right. an aesthetic and sensibility that is all about appealing to the overly over-the-top uh idea of bad taste and ironic value um it, it right. is intended to be just super over the top and you could easily call it cheesy even if it's not necessarily trying to be humorous which is where a lot right. of people with the met gala uh kind of got thrown off by the definition because everybody thought oh camp you know that, that's like the, the funny silly stuff no, not necessarily but it has overlap and if you choose to go camp, you know, uh, like a campy comedy, like Batman, right. uh, that becomes a whole different thing. Um, and I think that that needs to be a very, I think that needs to be very deeply remembered on this. Oh, hey, we got Cody. Yeah. Hey, Cody, how you doing? Yeah, like, like I said, I just, I don't know if it's something that would translate to modern audiences. Well, like no matter how hard you tried. Wes Anderson, like I said early on, uh, Wes Anderson well, uh, okay, has made so, a career so, on camp. Like, literally everything Wes Anderson does is defined as camp. Whether it's so humorous guess, or not, his style is camp. So then I guess I would push back. When they were making the Batman in the 60s, were they making it to be campy? Yes. Or were they making it to be... Do you think they were? Yes. Oh no, uh, like if you go back and watch uh, interviews with Adam West in particular, uh, he was very specific about what they were trying to do. They were trying to have fun, they were trying to be over the top, they were trying to be campy. It was uh, it was all about trying to uh, push the boundaries of just how cheesy they could be with it um, and take advantage of you know, the, the new color TV thing that they had that they could uh, right. really try to push the boundaries of with, you know, the hyper color and, uh, you know, all these weird aesthetics. And, you know, that, that, was, that was part of why they did all the go-go dancing and why they uh, went in with, uh, so, well, most of Robin's dialogue. I mean, that was the thing. 
yes, you had some other stylistic things that were there for the censors, like, you know, the BAM, POW, WAP! You know, that, that was to try to cover up the violence so that the censors didn't get all touchy about it, but it kind of added to the sense of aesthetic that they were going for without necessarily actually intending it to. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it was absolutely the intention, because uh, I don't think I've ever heard uh, Adam West say in the interview that they were intending Batman to be a comedy. He said he, they wanted it to be fun, they wanted it to be campy, they wanted it to be a good time. But I've never actually heard an interview of his where he said they intended Batman to be a comedy. It had comedic value. And I think that's where somebody like Wes Anderson could really have a shot at giving new life to that style of Batman today. Because it's that thing that would work. I, I mean, I think he or Taika Waititi, honestly, could really get that. I mean, I, have you seen uh, Jojo Rabbit? yet mm -hmm. yeah so i mean think about the that over the topness that he had with jojo rabbit and take that and make it batman i right. think that would really fit the the style and i think a modern audience would eat it up possible i mean it really is possible um if only for just the nostalgia feel yeah um I think it's it's something that could definitely be well. Like I said, I mean, how long did the Brave and the Bold run for? The Brave and the Bold was what three seasons? Let me see. Plus, I think the Brave and the Bold is still running in comic form, if I remember right. Am I wrong? Um, uh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold made it sixty-five episodes or two seasons. Two seasons, okay. Yep. 08 to 2011. So three years. Yeah. As for comic... Uh, yes. The comic is around... But I'm having trouble verifying if it uh, is still in circulation. It's still running. Yeah, yeah it's probably it's probably not. But yeah, um, I mean, that alone should say there is an appetite for it out there. I mean, especially for that Batman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you're not wrong. It's just it's. I think it would just be getting the right people to do it. Like you said, Wes Anderson or Taika Waititi would be a good one. Um, yeah. But, but it would more... be somebody that would have to come in knowing, like, hey, this is what it's going to be. And then the other thing, too, is Warner Brothers would have to sign off on it. Sure. But, I mean, think about it like this. Without trying to replicate and replace the exact actors that were involved with it, because there's no way that you would ever find an audience willing to accept somebody intentionally trying to copy the performance of... Uh, Cesar Romero or uh, Eartha Kitt or Adam West or Burt Ward or um, oh uh, Batgirl um, uh, dang it anyway uh, I mean you're never going to find anybody that is going to be willing to accept somebody trying to copy that performance and be 
them for the sake of the movie, but to be... Yvonne well, Craig. Thank you. Uh, but to be that variation of the character, like to be the Eartha Kitt style of Catwoman, to be the uh, Cesar Romero style of Joker, with or without the mustache, your call. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, th I think that is... I think that is a a thing that could really play well, and I I'm honestly interested to see it. I think it could be a lot of fun uh, if done right, done respectfully, and really given the chance for the director and actors to just let loose and have like genuine fun with it. Which means Warner yeah, Brothers just... can't micromanage. Number one rule for this to work. Yeah, so I just, uh, I guess I would just come back to, I don't know, it's it's weird, because, well, so, they tried it with a live-action adaptation with Superman Returns with a different character, and it was still that Richard Donner, Chris Reeves-style, kind and it of. just didn't translate. Kind of. The problem that I think that that had was a lot less the actors or the director or the story. I think it had a lot more to do with um, the tone. Because, I mean, look back at the actual uh, first two Superman movies, the, the Richard Donner versions specifically. Yeah. Um, there was more of a light-hearted to it not just in the way the characters were portrayed but even the aesthetics I mean the fact that the uh, Superman Returns aesthetic had a little bit more of a, a dim uh, slightly desaturated uh, at times feel it didn't really have the same personality like the ideas were all there but the spirit of it wasn't quite in the right place and I, See, I don't. That's where you and I are. That's where you and I are always disagree. Because I still well, think that was a better adaptation of a Superman film than anything Zack Snyder did. Well, Come uh, at me, no. fanboys. Oh Come no, I, I'm not saying that was a bad movie per se. I just I don't think if you're gonna uh, hold it up against the best of Richard Donner Superman, I don't think it holds up. Because I think it's kind of like the difference between. Star Wars the original trilogy and Star Wars the sequel trilogy. The ideas are all there, but the spirit, the essence of the original concept is just not quite fitting. Like, you, you know what it should be. Everybody remembers that feeling, but there was just a, a, something about the creative process making it just missed the mark in that... that it never quite convalesced back into the same spirit. And I think that... See, and I would disagree. I, I think that's I kind of the same thing. Like, I think too. it was close. I just... I don't think but it was exact. I think Force Awakens was. But that's just me. <sighs> well, this isn't talking about the, the merits of the sequel for, series yeah, from Star different, Wars. It's different topic for comparison. a different But, you know, it, it, right. it, I think it's the same concept. I, I think it's very possible to be able to redo this and come close in spirit and still miss the mark just enough that you're not quite lining up where you need it 
to be. And yeah, I mean that's yeah, I, you're I, not wrong. I think that's the reason why Taika or Wes could actually pull it off because the heart of that version of Batman going back to it was camp and I think both of them would understand the essence of that better which would in turn give them a running start rather than a walking start at trying to recapture the essence of the 1966 Batman. Like, I think if anybody could, they could only because they actually understand the style. So. Yeah, yeah look, I don't... Like I said, I think there's an audience for it. I think there are things that have done it that have shown that there's an audience for it. It's just, sure. it would be finding the right people to do it in live action form. Would you do it as a TV show or would you do it as a movie? Would you... I think you know, it would have to be a movie. different. Yeah, well... Well, because I mean... Why not an hour-long TV show? I mean, even if you wanted to say, like, Netflix miniseries, um, how many times do you think with such something so iconic and so very, very specific... I mean, yes, more more versions means more attempts to hit the mark correctly. But at the same right. time, with this specific thing, considering how deeply a very decent-sized uh, portion of the fandom holds this version of Batman, how many times do you think they could maybe hit or miss exactly before the fandom turns on them? Because if they get the first one right, awesome. But if the second one is kind of not, not quite there, well, so third one I is, but then the counter... fourth one like gets more off. I mean, wh what happens to the critical so review on that? I, I think so it I guess my the whole thing. to that would be, I guess my counter argument to that would be, wouldn't you have to do it in a TV style to capture the essence of the villain of the week, to capture the essence of bringing in different guest stars to play villains? Maybe. I mean, maybe if you did it like a, big, a Disney Plus big... style where it was like right. you, you you let them do thir uh, like 25, 30 minute installments. You actually put it out week after week rather than all at once so you give people time to digest it. Yeah, may maybe that actually could work. Because remember, a big draw of it too was, was what actor is going to come and play this character. True. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that was a big draw for it. So, I mean, if you don't have that, then that's something... That's a big part of what made it so iconic. Gone. Okay. No, I, I see that. I see that. Okay. Do you? Do you see it, Bradley? <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta understand... While this is not my favorite version of Batman at all, I 100% respect this version of Batman because I I will recognize without question that if if the 1960s Batman comic and show and movie didn't exist, we would not have the Batman we have today because it would not have survived. I, I respect this portion of history and I 
also respect the fact that even the modern, darker versions of the stories continue to throw back references to these Golden Age stories in one way or another because they, me they mean something to the overall uh, history, the, the legacy of uh, Batman. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I guess I'd look at it this way. If it could survive what Tim Burton did to it, it could survive anything. And that's where you and I are going to have to disagree. <laughs> I think Tim Burton is part of the reason why Batman... I think Tim Burton is the reason why Batman survived long enough to have an animated series and for Nolan to have a shot at it. I think if... I think if they went straight to Schumacher and didn't go Burton, Nolan would have never uh, had a shot. Possibly, very possible. So, by the way, did you tell people what we're calling this uh, this segment? No, actually, uh, I didn't even. I don't even think I put it in the, uh, the the description of the video. I just kind of said generally what we're doing. <laughs> what are we what calling are we this segment for, Brad? What are we paying? I mean, you got uh, to pay me first to be able to uh, ask that question. That's fair. That's fair. Sorry, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. Um, so we're calling this Does It Hold Up? Um, you know, in the modern climate with not a lot of news coming out and everybody getting nostalgic for remembering the times when they weren't stuck inside dealing with their families all the time. Um, we figured this would be a good time to bring something out where we can go back and look at something that everybody uh, maybe looks at through rose-colored glasses that probably doesn't need to be looked at through rose-colored glasses. And we just thought, naturally, why not go with the 60s Batman to start? But uh, yeah. there will be more to come. Mm -hmm. um, now, the big question you know, I think everybody should be asking is, will we or won't we do Tropic Thunder? Oh, we're doing Tropic Thunder. Ooh. We're doing Tropic Thunder. I don't know if I want to touch that one. <laughs> so if Rogan can do it on his podcast with Downey Jr., then we can do it. Okay, A, we're not Joe Rogan, and B, I mean, no, we don't have Downey Jr. on here. <laughs> just, just now, let if me we make did get him, I got, I got you. I, I'd say I got yes, you. we let have to talk about I got it. it. Uh, look, we're talking about Tropic Thunder if only for the fact that it came out and possibly what was one of the most stacked years for movies ever. Fair. But let's, uh, let, let's save that as the, uh, the, 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 the treat to top off, you know, uh, at least a, a multi live stream run, uh, doing this. You know, uh, use oh. it as the reward for sticking around. <laughs> Yeah, you have to build up to it. Because remember, like Downey <laughs> Jr.'s character says in the movie, you don't ever go... No, uh, 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 <laughs> family friendly. Uh, and so with you're gonna that, need that... You're going you're gonna to need that sensor button ready for the Tropic Thunder episode then. We will work out the kinks on it. Uh, <laughs> but with that, uh, guys, thank you so much for sticking around this long. Um, we absolutely appreciate it. Uh, once again, if you missed it at the beginning of the video, please... If this is your first time to watch this, uh, watch us, uh, do not forget to follow follow us on Facebook and subscribe. Click the little button right here on the screen to subscribe on YouTube. Um, and of I course, still don't see a damn button. And of course, 
Don't forget to like the video uh, and share it with your friends. We absolutely uh, would appreciate that and would love to get their thoughts on everything. And uh, if you've stuck around to this point in the video, question of the day, which I realized we should have said much, much earlier than this, uh, you know, for retention. Uh, question of the day, though, down in the comments, please tell us uh, what were your thoughts on the 1960s Batman, and do you think that it would have a shot at surviving in today's movie environment? Um, so please go ahead and tell us down in those comments. Hmm? Feel free to disagree with Brad completely because I do it all the time. Yeah, that seems fair. Uh, but yeah, uh, please tell us down in the comments. And until next time, this is Brad and Mike with Dallas Geek saying. See ya.